All right, hello there. Welcome back to another episode of First Generation Bow Hunter. This episode is all about what camouflage you should be looking into. If you are somewhat new still, you haven't pulled the trigger on a whole lot of camo, this episode is for you, and it is inspired by a listener. I want to give a big shout-out to Craig. He's a listener, and he said, uh, he was asking about you know what, what camo... Um, I recommend and what, what are my opinions on it yeah let's talk camo that is a great question good time to talk about it especially I've been talking a lot about preparation you know getting ready for the season we just came out of the season but if you're excited like me you're thinking about what what do I need to do how do I get ready let's uh let's dive into this first off Thank you for being here. This is episode 53 of First Generation Bow Hunter. You're probably like me. You're a first generation bow hunter yourself, and you want to gain knowledge, gain success, have fun out there. That's what this podcast is all about. My name is Adam Buchanan. You can get in touch with me on Instagram, Adam underscore Buchanan, spelled like the president, like James Buchanan. Buchanan's a funny thing, too. A lot of people spell it wrong. Like, well, they say it wrong, too. Uh, the, the mispronunciations of my last name are, are amazing. Like Buchanan, Buchanan, and uh, yeah, people spell it really funny. I don't think I've ever seen Buchanan spelled any other way. Otherwise, it's just like a typo. It's more than you wanted to know about my last name. All right, but you came here to know about camouflage, so... Let's jump in. Craig, thanks for dropping this line. And and this is something I do quite often. If I ever get a question, no matter how specific or how broad, hit me up. Drop me a line. Let's let's talk it over. I I love those type of interactions and just kind of helps me understand what you're after. What are you coming here for? And let's let's get into it. Camouflage. All right, this is probably one of the most iconic pieces of gear in bow hunting, and it's, it's fun to shop for, it's fun to wear, but let's dive into some various things on selecting. Maybe your first set of camo, or you, you have camo now, but you're just not super amped on it. Maybe you want to upgrade. I'm going to give you three main things to consider. And then after those topics, we'll, we'll dive into some strategies as well. So I can help you kind of select camo, talk through a few things to look for when you're shopping for it. But I also want to talk about how to actually use it. So, you know, if I help you go, you know, buy the best bow out there, and it's the most expensive bow ever, but you don't know how to shoot it, that's a problem. Same with camouflage. You can have the best, most expensive, matchy-matchy, down-to-your-socks-and-underwear matched camo, but if you're not paying attention to some of the strategies of how to use it, doesn't matter. All right? The three things to consider that I've come up with and how I kind of choose camouflage with my systems, three things I look for. Pattern. What is the color pattern that you're you're thinking about what climate are you hunting in what pattern is going to help match that performance what's the material made of how does it function your 
running hot. I mean, it's pretty strenuous of what you're doing, or maybe you're sitting a lot. Let's let's talk performance a bit, and then we're going to talk budget. Um, how much to spend. Also, how many pieces to buy. Do you have to be completely fully matched across all the elements you you have? And we're we're gonna talk about that. So we'll bounce around a bit, but I want to kind of follow that that those three pillars there: the pattern, performance, and budget. So let's start with pattern. One of the questions that came up with Craig was he was asking what I use here in Utah and how does that kind of relay into the various seasons. Hunting season's pretty long here. It's not down to one week or two weeks. I mean, it's months long. I mean, we're starting in August. We can kind of go through all the seasons. So it's very warm where we start all the way to the end. Well, yeah, I mean, mid-December for extended elk and then end of November for extended deer. I mean, snow's on the ground. It's cold. We have a wide range. So what does that mean for patterns? It means a lot uh, for sure. He specifically was talking about subalpine, which is brought to you by Sitka. Subalpine has quite a bit of green in it. I think, I think it's actually the color of my bow. I thought my bow was Optifade, but I'm looking at my bow now. It's hanging on the wall. It's got quite a bit of green tone in it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a pretty green kind of camouflage. Check it out. Look it up if you haven't seen subalpine before. And he was asking, because he's here in Utah as well, he was asking, you know, he's using subalpine, but in some of the areas it might be a little too green. I, I tend to agree. I actually go the more uh, brown, earth tone, a little bit of gray. It's the optifade. So it's just kind of a notch down from subalpine in terms of the colors of greens. And I don't know how informed I was when I really made that decision a long time ago. Some of it was like the reason why I have the system that I have with Sitka was I got a really good discount on it when I was working at Cabela's like, gosh, what's that been eight years ago? eight or nine years ago. So you have an employee discount at Cabela's. And I want to say at the time, it was it was pretty good. It was like 30% off, like the tag that you see on the rack. So it's pretty good. And this was back to when Camo Fire, things like that, like discount sites weren't really around or they were still kind of new. So you really had to kind of shop around and, and be thoughtful of budget. Well, Cabela's had this really cool thing. I loved when they did this. Once a year for one week long, they would give like an insane discount to all their employees. So normally we're experiencing like 20, 30% off. They bumped it to like half off. And I kind of waited for that. And I pulled the trigger on all this camo when that happened. And so... Yeah, I mean, budget was kind of driving that thought of that pattern. But when I saw that pattern of what I've chosen, the Optifade, it just felt like it could fit in a lot of applications. And it wasn't too green. It wasn't too, like, polarized on, you know. And I was living in Denver at the time. 
And so I wasn't even thinking Utah. I was just thinking, like, with the little knowledge I have, what's comfortable, what fits in my budget, how much can I get, and just kind of get started. I also come from probably more of the performance side because I'm a longtime backpacker. I was mountaineering at age 18. You know, I really understand the quality of like Arcteryx and, you know, some really top level brands. So I'm like, all right, what camo companies kind of match that top performance? And, but the pattern I chose, I mean, really has worked out pretty well. Um, I've really liked Optifade. I think when you're looking for a pattern, you just have to think about what hunts do you have planned this year and also kind of for the foreseeable future, year over year. You know, if you start breaking into more hunts, more time periods, or way different climates, um, geographies, whatever it might be, I would just recommend like what's a good basic kind of color that can apply to a lot of situations. Then you can start to go into those niche areas of, hey, I've got this winter hunt. I'm in complete snow. I need like the white pattern. And there's a few companies that do like a snow winter pattern. So that's kind of where I steer people is what's the widest net you can cast, not... I'm going to go on a winter hunt for three days, but I'm going to hunt in this climate for 25 days on, on the other part of the season. A lot of cool patterns out there, and there's always something new coming out. My heavens, like every time I own, inst- own every time I open Instagram, it's like there's another camo company that has launched, and it's just, just so much coming out. So it's cool to see all the camo patterns. I would just say... You know, be, be mindful of what is out there. Maybe don't get too honed in on a certain brand. I really am liking the new Origin camo. I think I, I'd like to touch and feel it. So we have the Hunt Expo coming up in Salt Lake. I hope they're going to be there because I'd really, I don't want to base too much of my decision just on the look. I really would like to touch and feel it. I want to see how it fits around my wrist. I want to see how much extra material is on my forearm, especially for bow hunting. You don't want a lot of loose clothing. And that's why Sitka has been so great for me, uh, down to my shirt, to my long sleeve, like micro fleece. Um, It's like a power stretch. I, I really like that piece. And then the Jetstream jacket, which is what I have, and then also the mountain pant. I don't feel like there's a lot of extra material. I will say on the pant, though, I feel like it is a little loose, and maybe that's like a sizing issue. I don't know if that's their issue. It's more of like I should size it better. So I've also supplemented different pairs of pants in maybe a totally different color. I don't think it's hurt me a whole lot, but like I use this black Ovis pant that's kind of a it's kind of a lightweight more warmer weather but it's like a solid taupe or brown and my theory in my head is in the areas that I've been hunting in more of those earlier seasons I've got some pretty good cover on the lower half of my body and so I'm a little less worried about the camo being my waist down and so I've kind of traded some comfort for that pattern being completely matched with my upper body. 
and it's worked out. Like I've I had some really good stocks wearing those dark brown pants, you know, this last season and the season before. I also like that pant just for like, you know, early season scouting, kind of going on hikes, kind of you know, it's just so trimmed down. There's nothing extra, and so that's something I've kind of looked for. So you have to make a few of those decisions. Like maybe you don't get all these various tops, but maybe on the pant side you have one or two different pants that you kind of swap in and out and and understanding how much cover you have. I was talking about in the last episode that I was in an area where there's a lot of elk and the tallest thing in that area is like a three-foot sage bush. So not a whole lot of cover. You're probably going to have to be more thoughtful of head-to-toe cover and then you have the whole strategy of movement and scent and all that good, good stuff we're going to get to. So knowing that I don't have brush and trees that I can kind of be hiding behind, I'm way, way more exposed. So think about the area that you're going to be hunting in. If you haven't been out yet and you're like, well, I haven't even been out yet, you know, what, what camo do I buy? Then I would start kind of with some basic, like, you could go the optifade way. Well, it depends on your climate. I mean, it depends where you're hunting. Um, I know some listeners are coming in from the Midwest and even the South, so or Texas. So, and ask around too. I like to ask a lot of people, like, what do you like? One thought with that too, and this is why I like to get a good sample size of information and talk to a lot of people, not just your really good friend who got you into bow hunting, because. I really want to understand their thought process behind it. Are they hopping on a flight and flying across the country and they go hunt a few weeks out of the year in a totally different area than you live in? So it's good to understand. And also you got to watch for the people who are so like obsessive about head to toe, even their bow matching the camo, even their stabilizer. I'm probably breaking some cardinal rules here because my bow is a Hoyt in an Optifade camo pattern, and I've got a Bee Stinger <laughs> stabilizer. And I'm looking at it. I think it's a real tree AP uh, cover there. So, and my wrist release is solid black. So you know, I'm just breaking all sorts of rules. Oh gosh, and I'm looking at my tight spot cu- quiver. That is true Optifade Elevate. Yeah, I've got three camo patterns on my bow as I'm staring at it right now. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm breaking some rules now. But there are some people who are like, they won't even let you hunt with them unless you're decked out in what they use. And that's tricky. I I don't know if I'm at that level where I could go drop that kind of money to fit my other fellow bow hunting pals. So, uh yeah, because I've, I've talked to some people who are like, they choose it as a group, like three or four people, and they all wear the same thing. Whew, that's, that's some coordination, man, I'll tell you what. And it's really hard when they decide on something like a Kuyu, which is like pretty expensive. Like Sitka's pretty up there, Kuyu, you know. So that, that gets more into the budget side. So ask some good questions, see what other people are doing. Facebook groups are a really good uh, place to be. 
And if there's not a Facebook group in your area, you just start one. You know, Bow Hunters of Illinois or Bow Hunters of Southern Arizona. I don't know. Chances are bow hunting's pretty big in your area. There's there's probably a good group on there, you know, thousand or two thousand people. Check in on the patterns and have fun with it too. Like you know, wear wear something that you genuinely like. I mean, it's kind of what I did when I made my first decision. I was kind of like, what's going to be the the widest net of how this can cover where I'm going to be? But I don't know. Like, I like the look of it. I think it's cool. So, yeah, that's pattern. But yeah, keep an eye out for the other new stuff out there. And, um, yeah, tr try to match it to the area as best you can. Let's get into performance. So performance is a big one for me, and I don't mind paying a little bit more knowing that the performance is really, really strong. Some of the lower cost camo is lower cost for a reason. There's not as much technology or breathability put into it. Sitka, I really feel like for the eight or nine years I've been in my Sitka camo, it has just been really, really done well and it's hung with me you know you get going through scrub oak and these branches are pulling at you tearing at your clothing um it's i mean to see that year over year and i hunt 20 30 days well hunting a lot more actually as of recent um and then it sits in the closet for the rest of the year but to see that it gets hammered for a couple months and comes back every season now, I will say, like, I've had seams blow out on my Sitka, like, base layer, the micro fleece. Um, and that's a bummer. So, like, I have this wide open hole on my chest where there's the zipper pocket. And then the seam blew out. So, it's just like a 24-7 hole now. <laughs> uh, it, it hasn't bothered me enough that it's, like, held me back. I, I just kind of look down and I kind of laugh, right? I don't know. I think some people get really worked up of like, oh my gosh, like this, this brand is terrible because I got a tear in my pocket. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, look at the the area you're walking through. I mean, we, we hammer our camo, you know? And so just be thoughtful of that, that like if you're hammering camo for five, six, seven years and it starts to have a hole or a seam blows out okay good like that's evidence that you're actually using it and you know so I, I try to look at that side too it doesn't really keep me up at night that i have a giant hole in you know my blown out pocket on my chest but but on the same vein Sitka has been a really strong performing uh company for me and my experience the mountain pants what i use i love the pockets the cargo pockets are really, really nice. You know, you're shoving like a headlamp down there or a granola bar. I use my cargo pockets nonstop because I don't want to dig into my backpack. I want to make sure a couple of those things are really handy. Or if I drop my pack, I carry some stuff in in my pockets and, and that's something to look for as well. Maybe not just like a perfectly clean pant that doesn't have anything. The thing that I want to possibly upgrade going into this year is they make a lot of pants now with like the knee pads in them 
either they're built in or you swap them in and out. Carhartt actually has a really cool performance pant where you slip a knee pad into it. I have those pants and I use them for like the garage, working on cars. I'd, I'd like to shift that over to my hunting and they're, they're so comfortable. So, you know, if you're on the ground on a stock for a while, or even if you're cleaning an animal and you're kneeling down a lot, it's so money. And it also like for colder time periods, it really keeps your knees warm as well. So watch for those features as well. You know, you're mixing pattern with performance and, and also what climate you're in as well. So I hunt pretty multi-season, you know, 70, 80 degrees, even upwards of 90. I mean, I've hunted in Moab, Utah before and midday it was like 85, 90 degrees. I mean, you are, <laughs> you're toasty. You really want that breathability. So watch for those materials. What are they using? It may look cool. It may have the sickest pattern ever and every hunting celeb is wearing it, but how does it feel? And that's where I'm at with Origin. I think they've made a cool print, but I've got to see how that feels. i got to understand how is that going to do in hot weather? How is that going to do in cold weather? Let's see. Other things on performance. Another material that you should keep an eye out is merino wool. Merino wool is awesome. It naturally helps keep odors down. That's pretty sweet. It's insulated for warm and cold weather, so it'll actually keep you kind of cool in the heat, and it'll keep you warm in the cold. How does it do it? I have no clue. It's like a Coleman cooler. It's like it just keeps things, hot things hot, cold things cold. Merino wool is awesome. It's expensive. You can pay upwards of $70 to $80 for like a T-shirt. So for long sleeve stuff or base layer stuff, you're going to be in quite a bit. I will say, though, it is durable as all get out. I have super old Merino shirts from 10, 15 years ago when Merino was really coming out, like Icebreaker. They were really hitting Merino hard. A good pair of Merino socks is good, too. I just, yeah, that, that's something to consider from a performance standpoint that you may want to carve out a little bit more budget for. But Merino is one of the most top materials it's also quiet. Um, there's, there's not much to it in terms of like how it would potentially make noise per se as some of the other materials that, you know, that are out there. But yeah, Merino. Yeah, save, save a few uh, pennies for that one. That's, that's a killer material to kind of keep an eye out for. And it's comfy. It's so soft. And when you hear wool, you think like, ugh, scratchy wool. It's not. It's a very soft, um, special wool merino made from like, gosh, what's it made from? Uh, sheep in, in New Zealand, generally. Just the way they do it, it's phenomenal. I'm a big wool guy, though. I've got probably over four Pendleton blankets. I like Pendletons. They are like a fortress of warmth. I just... I like to have one in my truck during hunting season as well. Like if I got into a bad situation and I could get back to my truck, but I couldn't get home, that thing you can wrap up in, it is an incredible, incredible heat provider. Yeah, it keeps, keeps you uh, 
pretty insulated, especially for my winter camps. I love throwing a, a Pendleton blanket on top of my sleeping bag or in my sleeping bag rather. Yeah. Get, get to know the, the materials, you know, the other thing I just ventured into was some better rain gear. I really didn't have much rain gear and I need to respray a lot of DWR coating on my Sitka jacket. It's like water resistant. It doesn't claim to be waterproof, but you can still treat things with DWR coating and that's something to keep an eye on. It's really frustrating. You get out there, you get in some crap weather and you're like, man, this camo sucks or I thought this was waterproof or I thought this was um, at least water resistant. Well, when was the last time you treated it? How long have you had it? You know, if it's brand new, yeah, that's probably a bigger issue. But I'm also a fan of like, hey, I buy used camo. <laughs> there, I said it. <laughs> I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. I just bought some rain gear actually used off a guy here in Utah. And I've been pretty happy with it. It's the Badlands exo jacket and he sold me a pair of pants they weren't the exo exo it's another pair of pants but i like the exo jacket because it is waterproof but it's also very soft so it's a very odd material because you you feel it and you're like man this is really soft like i feel like that's going to absorb the rain but i've tested it a few times now in a few rainstorms recently and i'm super impressed with how it's repelling that rain and it kind of beads up but you got to be careful of that you got to make sure you stay on top of those dwr coatings and that's something like a spray you can buy and just kind of treat it i've been doing that with my boots this season and that has been really really nice just throwing on a little bit of spray letting that settle into the leather especially if like my boots are the crispy colorado gtx they are not insulated and only a certain section of them are waterproof. Like the uppers are a little bit more breathable. I like this boot because my feet naturally get super hot. And so I wanted something a little bit more kind of dumbed down, not as hardcore insulated. And it's just been a really good matchup for me and my type of feet. But I can also spray the leather up top with a little bit of coating and so I'm still getting that breathability, but it's when I'm trekking through snow, I'm not totally getting soaked. Gators, by the way, just touch on this. Gators are 100% critical. I got some First Light Gators that are really basic. I think I paid 40 bucks for them. Uh, the Traverse, I want to say. That's really good for non-snow conditions. They're not necessarily waterproof, but they lead, they keep a lot of crap out of your boots. Especially you get those little round stickers. Those things, man, they fall in the category of mosquitoes. I'm like, why do these exist in the world? Annoying. I hate it, though, when I'm trekking through an area and my laces get completely gunked up with those sticky little stickers. And they don't poke you, like they don't hurt, but you'll have like a hundred on, on you just walking through a little simple area. Kind of annoying. Gators are nice though. I really like having two sets of gators. So one for the warmer weather, and then I just got some waterproof ones that just come in below the knee. And I really needed those when I was trekking through snow a few weeks ago. And I was up to my hips in snow. It was so deep. 
So I was, I was grateful that I had some good waterproof gaiters as well. So I'm all in on gaiters. I will not go back out without gaiters. So weather should be driving a lot of your decisions as well, like climate, how warm it's going to be, how cold, how far into winter are you hunting, keeping that all in mind. I like layering, so I will try to understand and record how cold it is and what system worked well. So I know like, okay, I can go down to my base layer, like a micro fleece, long sleeve, down to like 45 degrees. So if it's 45 and above, I'm good there. But if it dips below that, I've got to have my bigger jet stream jacket by Sitka. I like keeping track of temperatures just so I know what where I need to be there. The other thing I've been using too, I got this really beefy, thick, insulated Carhartt jacket. It's a solid green, so it's not really necessarily good for, um, you know, like uh, bow hunting per se. But for rifle, that's really, really nice for the, you know, mid-December, January. It's 10 to 15 degrees out. And maybe you're not going out very far, but it is super ultra cold. That thing is a beast. I'm blown away with Carhartt. And uh, yeah, I took it out a little bit ago, just kind of on a little outing. And it was almost too warm. Like I was, so got to watch for that. But yeah, I mean, if you got out after sun went down, you'd want all the help you can get, that highly insulated stuff. And I like the Carhartt too, because yeah, if it's for rifle, that's fine. But I can also use it for so many other applications at the house, working on winter chores. You know, it's kind of nice that it's got some multi-use. Um, I, I like to get as much out of my gear as possible. Not like, okay, one day a year I use this $250 pair of pants <laughs> if, if the moon is just right. So I like to get as much as I can. So I tend to spend a little bit more on buying up some performance versus having all the patterns in the world. I, I like the Merino materials. I like the the Gore Windstopper or Gore-Tex materials. I uh, That's just kind of what I've done over the years because the more time you spend in the field, you start to understand like, okay, what do I really need out here? How can I just be comfortable so I'm staying out as long as possible? And that's the whole point of this as well. Now, that's why I spend some time on performance because the whole point is you've got to spend as much time out in the field as possible. And so if you're a little cold or if you're a little wet and your gear is kind of not working for you, but it's the right perfect pattern, that's what you just have to balance, you know, performance and pattern. Let's talk budget. As I've said, I am perfectly fine buying used gear. I'm totally good with that. Most of the time when you're buying used clothing anyway, you're going to wash it yourself. So I always have the dead down wind uh, laundry detergent. So it's the scent free laundry. And I will wash my stuff, you know, if I, if I buy some used camo in that. Just to kind of like reset the whole thing. A real quick thing on scent too is storage. I've heard a lot of people see a lot of success with storing their camo in a very closed off 
um, storage container that's like kind of clip locked and it kind of holds the uh, the scent in there, lack of scent rather. And so that's kind of something that I probably like to try this year. I, as I sit here now, I've got my camo hanging next to all my other clothing right now, which from a scent perspective can be a little risky if I'm hanging my church shirt next to my camouflage and I'm spraying, you know, nice scented cologne on my church shirt, there's really a chance it's going to get on my camo. So don't need to get on scent right now, but just a little thought there. Budget wise, if you're buying new, there are so many different sites out there now that are really offering good deals on camo. I've mentioned camofire.com. I feel like once a week, Camofire is does a massive camouflage blowout. They're doing Sitka. They're doing King's Camo. They're doing a little bit of Badlands. I think mostly Badlands comes in on the the backpack and gear side. But it, there's, there's always something on Campfire. So definitely check those guys out. Shout out to my good friend Kendall, who runs all that goodness over there. I've loved to see that journey over the years. It's been really cool. And it's a cool way to get people into bow hunting without totally blowing out their budget. I also bought a bow off Camo Fire, actually. Yeah, I, I bought one of my, I call it my big kid bow <laughs> when I switched from like a youth bow up to a, an adult bow. Other things with budget to consider is, you know, kind of going back to that performance, like how long does this last? what materials it made with. That's all kind of direct the budget and the amount that you're going to spend on it. I see King's Camo as more of an entry level. So if you're going more head to toe, they do have some higher end stuff now. But the early days of King Camo, when I watched it before, it, you know, a little bit easier to get into in terms of like, okay, I'm going to go buy four to five pieces at once. You're not in you know, the five, $600 or even seven, it's more like a couple hundred bucks. So that is a place where I kind of steer people. You will notice a pretty noticeable difference with performance though. Uh, the material is a little bit more common. It's going to feel more like a camouflage that you'd find at Walmart for 19 bucks for a hoodie. But I just think like whatever can get you out there though, I just would hope that you don't get held back on. Well, I can't, afford the $349 Sitka jacket so I can't go bow hunting. Buy the $20 thing. Like just to start somewhere and that's all part of the learning process. You might find like, dang, that pattern really isn't great or dude, I froze with that thing. You may need to do that a few times. But think about it like this, if it's warmer weather, and you're not as worried about staying warm in the performance, you can balance that out. Like you can go less on your budget, less on performance, and maybe not have the perfect, perfect pattern. But if it gets you out there and it gets you into range and you could shoot an arrow, I think that's a win. Like I'm in full support of that. I, I would never tell someone like, you have to hit these thresholds and then you can go out. I think... There's also strategies on how to use this camo that you've got to consider as well. But try not to let it overtake you too much where people in your mentor group with hunting are like, dude, you got to have the $500 jacket or else you can't go out with us. Um, 
those people don't sound very fun to hunt with anyway. So find out works for you. On the flip side, spending a lot more can prolong your gear a lot more. So you're not, you know, buying new stuff every season where you're like, dang, that stuff wore out. I got to go buy a whole new set again and again and again. So I lucked out myself, you know, the story I shared earlier of having a really deep discount as an employee of Cabela's. I got into some really good gear for not a lot and it's, it's lasted me. So, you know, would I steer you more towards a higher end if you've got the budget for it? Absolutely. I absolutely would because it is frustrating to, you know, not spend a lot and you're rebuying that. It's breaking down. It, the materials are just cotton, you know? Um, and that's really what it goes back to is those higher end materials and construction, you're going to pay for it. And, and that's perfectly fine. You know, but I'd also say too, like this used jacket I bought off that guy, uh, Badlands XO jacket, uh, retails for two forty nine, and I got it from him for a hundred. You know, hey, that's sweet. And I look at the jacket; it's barely been used. It sounds like it sat in his closet. It sounds like he went with another system. And that's the other thing with camo too. When people are selling it used, generally it's because hey, that really didn't fit the pattern I was after. Hey, that really didn't fit the performance I was after. You know, I'm rolling that into a, a new system or I'm upgrading or... So watch the use side. I, I'm i a big believer in it. Um, I'm all about it. Personally, I also like to sell the stuff that I don't use, you know, and get in different systems. And I did that with a spotting scope. You know, I bought kind of what I thought was a pretty cool spotting scope, but it was a straight, non-angled spotting scope, and it was really a pain in the butt. I did not love the straight scope. So, you know, sold it for about what I paid for it and got into an angled, which I absolutely love now. Um, for those that are curious, I the straight scope that I had was the Hawk. It was an endurance uh, pretty good. I mean, I loved it. I loved how small it was. I mean, for bow hunting, it was just super sweet. And then I went up to the Cabela CX Pro, and yeah, it's a it's a beefy one. It's still pretty small, but man, it packs a punch. This is a really cool scope. So those are the three things to consider: is the pattern, the performance, and the budget. You're just kind of balancing all those things, kind of figuring out. I also like. You know, in the off season, people do unload their gear. I mean, maybe they're getting out of the sport. Maybe they're upgrading. So it's not a bad time to buy. And also, it also helps offset your budget too. If you spend 200 bucks on camo in the off season, then when you get into the season, that's where you can be like, okay, I got to upgrade my broadheads. Or, okay, I got to go buy a pack of 12 arrows. I mean, man, a pack of 12 arrows, like good arrows all fletched up, all set up, good to go, man, you're in 200 bucks without trying too hard. So I, I think in the off season, keep that in mind that might be a good time to, you know, drop hundred bucks, 200 bucks, upgrade a few things, give it a few months, upgrade something else. That way when bow hunting season come, you're using gas money, you're using food, you're all these other budgets that we kind of don't think about we can, you know, plan for rather than, oh, I've got to go 
on these road trips or scouting trips and all this, and I'm going to go buy $400 of new camo. Yeah, I mean, depends on where you're at, but keep all that in mind. So we've got those three things, the pattern, performance, budget, kind of what you're balancing there. Then there's, let's talk about the strategies of how to use these things because you can have the most amazing camo that all the Instagrammers are using, but if you don't know how to use it, it really doesn't matter. Deer can see uh, pretty well, right? They, they can make out objects, but the nice thing about camo is it breaks up your body. So it kind of helps blend in to the surroundings. That is the function of camo. But again, their scent is very, very strong. So you're hunting the wind. I've talked a lot about this, a fair amount of episodes on that. So making sure your scent is really key. That's why storing it in a container is smart. Something I would like to do a little bit more. Actually, I'm going to make a note of that. I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to get my stuff. See, this off-season stuff is so fun. There's, there's always something to do. There's always a chore. It's awesome. Um, but scent, watching that, I do use sprays. I'll do like a you know $10 bottle of scent away or something or the dead down wind. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think any little help that I can get, I'm, I'm all about it. I will spray down my gear as well, backpacks, boots, um, whatever you're bringing out with you. I'll even spray down my bike, you know, when I'm e-biking and getting out there. Um, yeah, I just, you know, for 10 bucks and five minutes of a little bit of spray here and there, why not? If that can mean the difference of a, a successful stock. So really watching the wind as well. Again, you can have the best camo out there, but if you're just blasting through areas, if you're not paying attention to morning and evening and what those thermals are doing of being at the bottom of the mountain or at the top, it's gonna, you know, mess you up. So watching scent is, is important. Now the other one, super obvious, super basic, but it is movement. <laughs> um, you've got to watch your movement and how you're moving along like ridges. So if you're silhouetting yourself, uh, meaning you look like a tree on top of the ridge, and as you walk, every deer is going to watch that and be like, that tree is moving. I don't feel safe, <laughs> right? You're not a tree. You're a predator. They know that. So again, doesn't matter what camera you're wearing, you're still this big, dark object um, that they can make out pretty easily. So the whole point is, if you're in a stock or if you're moving around, really paying attention, where are they potentially seeing me from? How do I get down into some cover, have a actual background? That's the whole point. You're blending in with your background. If you're blending in with the sky, that doesn't work. You're a total silhouette. Then on the close encounters, you know, you're less than 50 yards, you're really in there, they're coming in, all of that, the movement is so, so important and sound. Um, watching what you're stepping on. Again, the preseason prep is really important. I actually have an area that I've walked into quite a bit. And when, let's see, before the leaves fall, I will pay attention to what's on the ground and I will just constantly be cleaning up, cleaning it up and having a really clear path. 
then when the leaves fall, I do it again and I get rid of those dead leaves. Because when you step on those leaves, it is loud. Oh man, it's loud. The deer, you know, they're walking in on those leaves as well, which in turn helps us as the hunter. Because when they step on those leaves, it is loud. And so it's really awesome to hear where they're coming in from. So in that vein, you know, leaves are awesome. But for the hunter, if you're kind of shuffling a little bit or passing through an area that you're consistently going through, watch, watch for those things. Branches too. I'll, you know, snap a few branches here and there, kind of keep up on that uh, just as you're, you're passing through. So stuff's not snagging on you. You're really not, you're trying to just be as thoughtful as possible. So scent, movement, sound. The other thing on scent too, when you do brush past things, you, in a sense, kind of putting your scent onto the area. So that also has a strategy of how often are you going into an area? Are you, you know, being aware of, are you over scouting? Are you overdoing it? I think sometimes I get a little like that where I want to go out there one more time. I want to go check my trail camera one more time. Um, it's like beekeeping. I'm actually a beekeeper. I've got two hives in the backyard. And that was one thing that I learned as a new beekeeper is you can't check the hive too often. You got to let the bees do their work. Every time you go in there, you're in a sense totally disrupting their ecosystem. And so as a beekeeper over the years, I've learned I need to let the bees do their work. It's the same with the area you're heading into. Make sure you're letting them live and and be in their space because you can kind of enter an area a little too much. So strategy consider again, scent, movement, sound. Be patient. Try not to move around so much. It's hard. I get it. Um, but make sure you're hyper aware as well. Don't zone out on your phone. I've heard so many stories, even um, a story that was shared on the show. Uh, guy was, I think he fell asleep and Skyler Harrison and he was like man I was so bummed because I woke up and there was like a buck like 20 yards away and he just you know couldn't get to his bow he wasn't set up and so yeah again get, get some cool camo go have fun go shopping all about it and I'll link to some things that I really enjoyed in the show notes uh, but make sure you're considering the scent, the movement, the sound, and practicing that. Maybe even like in the off-season, maybe one thing that would help is even going out and sitting and being still in an area and doing that for two hours. You know, See how long you can go of just sitting there. You don't even have to bring a bow. You don't even have to bring a weapon. You probably don't have a tag for that season anyway. But how can you even just go practice? I don't think we ever hear of that. You know, going and practicing being silent and not being on your phone for two hours in the wilderness. Maybe give that a try. You know, pair your awesome new camo purchase with really good skills and strategies of being a good hunter. So that is a camo episode. Again, thank you to Craig, listener, who uh, asked for this and was like, hey, have you done an episode on, on camo? There's, there's going to be more to come to you. And I'd love if you have anybody or brands that you would like featured on the show, I'm happy to reach out to folks. I am going to be at the Hunt Expo 
in Salt Lake in two weeks now. I think it's February 13th. So definitely uh, watch for me there. I'll be in the First Generation Bowhunter t-shirt. And if you're interested, I will bring some t-shirts and happy to bring a few with me. I still have quite a few. I can also ship them as well. If you're not going to be at the show, $15, drop me on Venmo and I'll we'll get one out to you. Happy to do that. Just let me know what size and where to send it. I would love to uh, share share the goodness. They're a really comfy t-shirt too. It's that really nice uh, level, no, sorry, next level material. It's literally called next level. It's super soft. And I love it. All right, hopefully see you at Hunt Expo. If you're going to be there in a few weeks, drop me a line if you will. I'd love to carve out time and, and just meet with you and we'll go meet at a booth or, or whatnot. I'll be walking the show probably Thursday and Friday of that week. So, all right, well, thanks so much for tuning in on what camo to buy, what camo to hunt with, and just these considerations. I, I really do think you know it's important to slow down not be too driven on one thing or another. It's a really a balance of the pattern performance and budget and, and really what works best for you. So I wish you luck. Hopefully this helped you. If it did, please take a little time, pop over to Apple podcasts. If you wouldn't mind, drop a review and just something that you're liking about the show or the guests or whatever it might be. That's helping you just be a little bit sharper of a bow hunter. I would uh, greatly appreciate that. It's amazing when people do reviews. It really tells Apple, like, hey, there's actual humans that like this. So it spreads it out a little bit better. And I, I sure appreciate it. And please consider subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or however you're listening to a podcast in your ears. Uh, really love the support. So thank you for that. It's been awesome building this community. And want to say thank you again it's been fun doing all these episodes and there's always more to come so i'll catch you on the next one thank you so much